Uh, this morning we got the pleasure of hearing people's stories about how God has interacted in their life and what it meant for God to be with them. It was amazing to hear of Geraldine and the, the tragedy that she went through and Mackenzie as well and what she went through with her family and the accident. And I think that's one of the important things that sometimes we can overlook or misunderstand about faith, and that is the power of a story. Uh, stories can uh, lift us up, stories can tear us down, stories can encourage us, stories can discourage us. But our faith journey, wherever we find ourselves in our life with Jesus, is really a story that is unfolding. Your story might have great tragedies or it might have heroic feats. Our stories are all different, but God is still the same God within all of those stories. And I think when we start talking about the idea of what is the difference that Jesus makes in our lives. I think reflecting on our stories is incredibly important, but also reflecting on the story of Scripture or the stories found in Scripture. Because in those stories, we also see how God has worked long ago, was faithful to people, and is still faithful today. So it can encourage and remind us when maybe we're unsure. And this morning, as we're looking at finishing this series with the great stories we heard and then we're going to continue into the story of communion at the end of the service, I want to look at something the Apostle Paul wrote about his own story. For those of you who are familiar with Scripture, uh, you know the story of the Apostle Paul. For those of us who are maybe a little less familiar, we might not be too sure who that is. But Paul started off as a man named Saul. And in the book of Acts, we read the story of how Saul was one of the people that was persecuting or trying to trick, trying to in prison trying to kill the early church, the people who were following Jesus. And so at that point in his story, he was someone who was incredibly zealous for what would be called the law. So the rules and regulations of Judaism, and he would be trying to enforce them on people. And in an effort to enforce them, he would be rejecting Jesus. And so as this early church was starting, as people were starting to follow Jesus, People like Paul existed and were saying, no, this shouldn't be happening. And so sometimes with force, deadly force, we hear the story of how they tried to get rid of those people. But Paul's story didn't end where we hear it start. As it continues, he actually has an encounter with Jesus as he's traveling to persecute more people. And in that encounter, Jesus changes his life. And he moves from Saul, who was the persecutor, to eventually become Paul, who was the church planter and the apostle, the one who is encouraging people to follow Jesus and saying that Jesus does make a difference in your life. And one of the letters that the apostle Paul wrote was, one to, was to one of the churches in Galatia. Galatia would be like the area of modern-day Turkey, so this is a church that's outside of Jerusalem. So it's a non-Jewish community called a Gentile community. And as Paul, who had traveled to start these churches and tell people the good news of Jesus and how Jesus makes a difference, as he started them, he would continue to correspond to help them understand the difference Jesus makes in their lives. And in the letter that he wrote to the church in Galatia, he was dealing with something very specific that was going on. What was happening was that people who were followers of Jesus, but from Jerusalem, who were Jewish, were saying, oh, you have to follow all the Old Testament rules, the law, just like Paul used to think. But for those new people who started believing who were not Jewish, 
That was a very difficult thing. It was completely changing their culture, but also sometimes causing harm to their bodies. And so Paul would say, no, they don't have to, because God encountered them in their life where they were, and they have the Holy Spirit. Those rules and regulations aren't what brought God into their life. And so as he writes to this church in Galatia, he tries to explain to them the difference that Jesus makes and what it looks like to be someone who follows Jesus, which some of us in our story, that's part of it. For others of us, we're not there yet. We're maybe just exploring who Jesus is. Maybe we're not even exploring who Jesus is. Maybe we're trying to figure all this out. But regardless of where we are, the story is the same. Jesus does make a difference. In Galatians chapter 2, we're going to start at verse 17. He writes this, and I'm going to use a translation that's not the one I usually use, but I like the way it says it. He says, But suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ, and then we are found guilty because we have abandoned the law. Would that mean Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. Rather, I am a sinner if I rebuild the old system of law I already tore down. And when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all of its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law would make us right with God, then there's no need for Christ to die. So what Paul is addressing to this community in this very impactful passage, if we try and spend some time on it, is that there are people who are saying that you have to follow all the rules to be made right with God. And maybe you've heard that before. Maybe you've heard it from your parents. Maybe you've heard it from a pastor. Maybe you've seen it in a TV show. Maybe you've read it in a book. Where people can be saying, hey, you've got to follow all the right rules. You can't be right with God if you do this thing that's outside of what God wants. It doesn't mean that there aren't things outside of what God wants. But sometimes people would get so obsessed with the rules. It might be like for those of you who have a church tradition, it might be what you would wear on a Sunday. Maybe it would be the way in which you would uh, celebrate communion. Or maybe it would be how often you show up at church. Or maybe it would be what kind of baptism you do or how much you should be giving when you tithe. And all these different things that sometimes come up and get in the way and we say, well, this is how you follow God. And we don't realize it, but it becomes so restrictive and so suffocating that people give up because they can't do all the right things. And they end up maybe feeling shame because they feel like they haven't succeeded, maybe feeling sorrow, hurt, regret. And for some of us, we would just walk away and give up. Others, we'd live with that frustration, that sorrow. So Paul's saying there are some people who are saying, you've got to follow all the rules. That's not the way of Jesus. In fact, the way of Jesus isn't that there's no rules. It doesn't mean that all those things that are written in the Old Testament don't count. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means that you're not going to make yourself right with God no matter how hard you try, because he's already done it. 
The story of Jesus is that he, and only him, has made us right with God. It's called justification by faith. That God has justified us through the act of Jesus' death and resurrection. Meaning that though we are sinners, though we are not always right with God, and though we could try to make it up to God, to try and make him like us more, we don't have to. Because God's already done that for us. We just have to follow Jesus and be more and more like him because we follow him. So as Paul is writing to this church in Galatia, they're struggling with the reality of they didn't grow up in the culture that was the religious system of the time. They're struggling with, like, we can't follow all these rules. It just doesn't work. But Paul is saying, no, God is still working in your life. Their story, their story wasn't worthless because they didn't grow up in the right place. Their story wasn't meaningless because they didn't come from the right background of people. Their story was valid. It was God's story working in them. This morning, as we reflected on two great stories from very different walks of life, from very different ages, we still see that the same God is working. And that same God is working in your story, wherever your story is taking you today. As Paul writes to this church in Galatia, he's also reminding us that we are given a free gift from God, a gift that invites us into a relationship with him, and that in this relationship, no matter what we do, he's always loving us. In fact, the reality is that on our worst day, God still loves us the same. No matter what you do, what you've done, what you will do, God still loves you the same. The thing that changes is us and how we respond to that love. So Paul invites this church 2,000 years ago and invites us today to reflect and know that the God who is the God who saved us is still present and with us. And because he's present and with us, we can live lives that don't feel like we are burdened to do all the right things, but are freed to know and live in God's grace through faith. That you don't have to be perfect because God is perfect. And because God is perfect and he loves you, he invites you to be with him wherever you find yourself today or tomorrow. The great gift of God is a gift of grace. It's a recognizing that Jesus did what we can't do for ourselves. Sometimes we try to earn our space with God, to just do enough so he likes us. But nothing we do stops God from loving us. And all we have to do sometimes is rest in that and know it to be true. My prayer for you this morning is to know that to be true, wherever you find yourself. Whether your story is taking you to a place where you've been walking with God for a long time, and maybe you just need to be reminded, or maybe you're not even sure where God is in your story. But he is there, and he's inviting you to know the hope that he offers.
the truth that you don't have to earn his love, that he's made a way for you to be in a relationship with him, and that's through Jesus. This morning, we get to celebrate communion together, and that is another symbol that we have in our church. We celebrate the symbol of the difference Jesus made through baptism, and we celebrate the symbol that Jesus continues to make a difference through communion. And in communion, we recognize that Jesus' death and resurrection invites us to experience the forgiveness of our sins and life in all of its fullness. If we want to follow Jesus, we have to begin by recognizing that, yeah, we are sinners. We can't change that. But he has, and he's forgiven us. But we have to embrace it. I'm going to invite the band to come forward, as well as the communion service, before we share in communion. The way we'll practice communion here this morning is we'll invite you to come forward and take the elements, a piece of bread and a little cup of juice, and then head back to your seats. If you don't want to participate, you don't have to. Don't feel like you need to. If you feel like you would like to participate, but maybe you don't have the energy to come up or maybe you struggle with walking, we'll have someone bring that to you. But when we celebrate communion, we celebrate what Jesus has done. And we recognize the difference that Jesus makes. And as you come forward to take the elements, we're going to ask you to move through the first row of chairs as well to head back, as it can be a little bit congested. The Apostle Paul reminds us that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that is given for you. And then as the meal came to its close, the Passover meal, he shared the cup. And he said, this is my blood that is shed for the sins of the world. And Paul reminds us that when we take this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Please allow me to pray, and then we will celebrate communion together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that uh, you invite us to this table, that wherever our story finds itself, You invite us to be part of a family, part of your family, and you invite us to find life in all of its fullness through the forgiveness of our sins, through your death and resurrection, Christ. And this morning, as we come to this table, I pray that we take this bread and we take this cup in memory of you, and that at the end, when we share it together, we were reminded that we are part of a bigger family, a bigger story than just what we've experienced ourselves. Father, bless this bread and bless this cup as we proclaim you until you come again. In Jesus' name, amen.